Hidden gems. Hidden gems. Hidden gems. Hidden gems. Well, bless your ears, baby. I listen to hidden gems every night before I go to bed. I listen to hidden gems in the kitchen. Hidden gems. Welcome back to Hidden Gems. Today we're here with Matt Pugh, a skills trainer, and he's got a lot to share with us. We appreciate you coming on, Matt. Hey, no, I appreciate you having me. Like I said, it's uh, I always enjoy the opportunity to talk with new people and develop some new relationships and hopefully gain as much value as, as I possibly can from you guys. And just to give the people listening a little background, um, can you walk us through your story and and how you got to where you are today as a successful trainer in the industry and just what you're doing in the game of basketball? Sure. Um, well, I, as soon as I got out of college and got done playing, I uh, went into coaching. And I was a high school and uh, I actually started out at the junior high level, actually my first year out of school. So, But I, I coached at the junior high and high school levels for 11 years and uh, then got out of that side of it and went and helped out and was an assistant at the junior college level uh, for three years. And that kind of has led me to the last, I guess it's been five years, almost six years now of doing the, you know, skills training side of things and player development side of stuff. So that kind of leads me where we're at today. Right. That's awesome. And I know, you know, COVID has been a big adjustment for you and, and really for a lot of people in this industry. Is there a way that you've kind of battled against that and made adjustments? Because, you know, being adaptable in this environment can be a great advantage if you're if you're willing to help your players in different ways. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's you know, that's the hot topic of conversation. It probably will be for you right. know, foreseeable future, I would imagine. But it, it has it. I mean, the, the positives of it has been that it has forced us to kind of rethink, you know, about how do we still provide opportunities and how can we still be impactful and how can we still help, you know, players with the needs that, you know, they have with their games. But um, one, you know, when when everything kind of shut down, you know, the, the the popular thing that everybody saw was online workouts and, you know, showing up and doing, you know, Zoom things and stuff like that. And I took a slightly different approach. And one thing that I did and was really beneficial was I had players reach out to players and had them send me clips of their shot. And I just kind of niched it down to instead of running workouts or going through ball handling things and, and, sure. and stuff of that nature, I just had them send me footage of their shot and then I would evaluate that and, uh, you know, give them some pointers and throw, you know, maybe two drills that I felt could be useful for them and fixing whatever solution that they needed or fixing whatever problem that, you know, I, I saw and I didn't dissect it, you know, to a huge degree, but, you know, just try to keep it simple and give them, you know, two or three things that, that, that I felt like could help them. And that was really well received and uh, something that I think if we ever get back to a quote unquote normal, it's probably something that, that I will probably add to just my everyday, you know, academy settings and group things like that as kind of an additional piece if that's something that a player is interested in. Sure, absolutely. I think that's a big, you know, separator in the in the training industry and just in basketball as somebody that can teach the game and, you know, help players make adjustments in the game from a technical aspect rather than, you know, just going through drills or giving them stuff to work on at home. So like you said, I'm sure that made a big impact for those people who weren't able to get, you know, that instruction and you were able to deliver that on a personal level. So that's really cool. 
Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what you're doing, like you mentioned, with academies? And I, I know you might be doing something a little different right now with your consulting program. So can you kind of give us some info on, on what's going on this fall? Yeah, um, you know, we're, we we just kind of finished up. I actually was was fortunate enough to run a we did a, a four week. We usually do an eight week, but we did a four week kind of a preseason uh, academy uh, where the players came in once or twice a week, depending on, you know, their schedules and, and what they were available for. But I'm sure like a lot of people like we just adjusted and we did everything outside. Um, because yeah. you know, I, you just, you, you, it's so difficult unless you have your own facility. Um, and then every state obviously has their different guidelines that they're, you know, abiding by. And so I'm in Missouri. And so, you know, it's just super tough to get into some of the facilities that we usually would use, you know, like sure. schools and universities and, and, and different places like that. So we just switched everything to outside, which, you know, was really cool. And to be honest with you, we were, I was a little worried about how the players would do with it because they're sure. Right. This generation has grown up where everything is super organized for them yeah. and everything's inside. And it, you know, in the summer it's, you know, air conditioned and all that, you know, well, we did everything outside and I, I think um, I was pleasantly surprised at, you know, the enthusiasm and just the different environment provided just a, a just a different vibe and different energy and different stimulus for the kids, which was which was really cool and, and fun to be a part of, because my generation, like that's what we did. Like we grew up yeah, exactly outside all the time, you know, so we you know, that that was our, our kind of norm. So it was kind of cool to kind of have a little bit of throwback, you know, right. For me. Yeah. The oh, purity right. of the game. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, uh, but so, so that was cool. But then, you know, to answer your question about where things are going this fall, it's been tough because you're trying to get a feel for what the season's going to look like for some of these kids. You know, usually I do, you know, work with, you know, a handful of individual players um, and really lock in and go super deep and detailed with a lot of stuff and really just kind of help them as they're going in, in, into season and throughout their season to kind of take out some of the guesswork. You know, I think that's huge. Um, I know as myself as a player and, you know, even when I was a coach, like players, I think one of the major challenges they have and things that they struggle with is knowing what to work on, when to work on it and how to work on it. You know, my, the, the in-season consulting stuff has been really good for players because it allows them to just worry about school, playing, and, you know, and that's it. You know, let me take the guesswork off your plate mm. and I'll help you, you know, come up with, all right, hey, here's what we're seeing. Here's, you know, here's here's where you're getting your touches. Here's the actions you're getting them out of. Here's the spots. And there's... In the past, one thing I've, I, that I struggled with a lot as I was starting my player development, you know, business was and services was that I always tried to give them, give players too much. And I wanted to, I wanted to provide a solution because I was so worried about and so in tune with, you know, I want to make sure this is the most valuable thing and the most, you know, the best experience they've had from a basketball perspective ever. And, right. It's it, it it's tough when you when, when you want to you know provide that kind of value, but you're then what's happening is now it, it, it's just getting it, it, it's overload, and mm -hmm. then 
then they're, they're just as lost as they were at the very beginning because you're trying to provide solutions for every single little thing that you may see on film or that you know might, you know, they might come across because you've been there, you've seen it, you know, and what I've, what I've been able to do is, is over the years, you know, the past few years, I've really been able to narrow it down and simplify it, you know, um, and that's been such a good, it's been a, a really hard lesson for me to learn, but it's been extremely valuable and has given me and my clients and players a lot of direction. Like a, a like the, we know where we're going. We know what's, you know, what to, what to do, how to manage it and how to progress it, you know? And so that's kind of where I'm at right now. And, 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 and the challenge right now with all of that is just trying to figure out what their season looks like. You know, take for instance, like I'm, I'm, I'm right on the Mississippi river and, mm-hmm. you know, so I have a lot of clients that are in Illinois. Well, Illinois is like, they're going through, it's a disaster right now. Like they're going through, like they, you know, their, their governor has shut down, you know, high school bat. Like they had no football. They had no, any of the fall sports. They all got pushed back to the spring and now right. basketball has come. And so now the governor is saying, you know, Hey, we're going to shut it down. It's, it's too high risk. Da, 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 da. And so now a lot of these players are trying to figure out, are they going to have a season? When, when are they going to have a season? What, what does that season look like? You know, with all yeah. the quarantines happening, you know, you got, you know, one or two players get it. And then now all of a sudden you, we've got to trace them and more than likely the whole team's going to be quarantined for, you know, 14 days or whatever it is. And so yeah. how, do you, how do you stop and start and stop and start throughout an entire basketball season? So there's a lot of challenges yet to be figured out on, on my end and how to best serve, you know, players through, through all of it. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll find a way, you know. Right. Just, and I'm just, sure I know that can make a big difference. Like we mentioned a bit, you know, talking about being adaptable, even as a player and a trainer, but especially as a player, you know, just taking this year as growth and understanding. Even you look at the NCAA giving back eligibility like this is a year to develop because you don't know what's going to happen. You might as well just get better from it, no matter what the obstacles are, because they're going to be there, like you said. Um, Another interesting thing that you said when you talked about, you know, making it a clear path and and giving players clarity on on what they need to do, what they need to grow on and how. And a lot of times that's the biggest problem, you know, in the skills training industry and when players are doing development is, you know, translating that to the game. And they can either have, you know, not enough information because they're not really getting taught game moves or they can have, like you said, that influx of information where it's just like, I'm learning all this, but I don't know when to put it in, how to put it in. I feel like I got all these moves in my bag, quote unquote, but how do I use them? I just can't translate it to the game. So that's the main thing that I wanted to touch on with you today. And I'm hoping you can kind of give the listeners um, some information and knowledge on this is how to translate the skills and in the player development industry in particular, how you do your job of translating skills to the game for these players. Right. And so kind of my, my process is, is this again, like I alluded to it earlier, like one of my challenges starting out was I wanted to give them everything. I wanted to give right. them everything that I knew because I wanted them to understand that, Hey, you're, you're trusting me and I, I want to prove to you my, my value and that I know my stuff. Now I've, I've gotten more comfortable in my own skin and understand that like, not every move is for every player, first and foremost. 
I think that, that that that's a challenge for players. You know, they they want to do all of the you know the sexy stuff, mm-hmm. and it it may or may not fit them and their strengths and what they do well. Uh, so we really try to start there. Is like, okay, hey, what do you do well? You know, what what are your what are your strengths? Are you a are you a are you a catch and shoot? player you know is that your biggest strength are you a slasher that that's that's really good at getting in the lane and finishing around the rim are you you know a a really is is, is passing you know off the dribble like your biggest asset it, it, you know making plays like getting in the paint and then making those decisions like is that so we try to start there and then work backwards um, it, and there's a hundred different scenarios that we could go through and give examples of. But how to simplify that, I think, is pick a few things that you're really confident in and know really well in terms of moves or concepts. Throw three or four things. Like, so take, like, uh, we'll use an example. Like, take a live ball move, for example. Like, you know, a, a move off the dribble. So, a, a, a dribble move. Give the player three of those, run them through those, and then the key to the whole thing, in my opinion, is now let's just pick one. Let's just pick one of those. And how do you pick that one is, for me, is always having an open conversation with them through that process uh, and watching them through. Which one of those three do you feel the most comfortable with? Like, which one feels the best to you, like the most fluid? Because what that does now is the one that they do naturally well, they have to think about less. Right, yeah. And less you have to think about it. If you're trying to predetermine everything, because that's what happens. Like, players get so many things, like you said, in their bag. Well, then they're trying to predetermine what they're going to do before it happens. And the issue with that that I've found is that if you're predetermining everything, well, the floor changes like constantly. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the defender is, you know, forcing, you know, yes, he's, they're, the defensive, you know, scheme and principles are force, you know, sideline, baseline, no middle, right? Well, then what happens when the defense is out of position and you've already predetermined that you're going to try to execute, you know, whatever move it is? And now the defense is in a, in a different position. Well, now you're so now you're overthinking it, and then we all know, you know, overthinking leads to like bad decisions. It leads to, you know, being hesitant with everything. So now you're not you're not just playing. You, you know, you, you're not playing and you're not reacting and doing things that you do naturally well. So I think simplifying that that's a long drawn out answer to being able to simplify it and and give them something that. Whatever one of the, you know, have them try two or three, four things, whatever. Give them some autonomy there so they can kind of own it. And that way, because another thing that happens through this whole process is, you know, just like coaching, it's very easy to get caught into the situation of you telling them what they need to do all the time. Mm -hmm. And then they lose ownership of it. And then when they lose ownership of it, then it's easier to, you know, stop doing X or, you know, stop doing this or, you know, and then they just kind of fade out, you know, and, 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 and you're not able to have the impact that you wanted to have, you know, right. or 
you know, they don't they don't get the results that they wanted to get either. So I think giving them, you know, some ownership of that in, in that way, I think, is 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 important and something that's been really good um, for me with my players. Right. Absolutely. That that was a lot of great knowledge that you just dropped right there. And on that, you talk about, you know, players taking ownership and being comfortable and having that natural ability. Can you talk a little bit about how you instill confidence in players and how you give them, you know, the right mentality? Because we talk about them being comfortable with their moves on the floor because they're working on it. But then to that second extent, you kind of have that mental aspect of it, of how you instill just like the reliability and and just the trust in themselves, you know, from that training aspect. Yeah, I think that. I think the big thing, and I think there's a, I think there's a lot of ways to do it. For me, what I have found is, and and I'm glad you asked this because I do think that at the end of the day, I think this is probably this is probably the most like the most important thing that as a player development coach or skills coach or whatever term that you want to use for it, this is the number one thing that you can give a player. It's not a move. It's not changing their shot. It's not any, any of that stuff. It is being able to give them confidence. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's, that's the ticket. You know, if, if you want the secret sauce, like that's it. Um, and, and I, for me, I think that you have to figure out what that process is and what that method is for you. Like, how do you instill that? I think that ultimately for me, I think that it comes down to how I do it is one, give them that ownership. You know, hey, something, something that I've, that, that I've started doing in the past probably five to six months is every single workout or training session or team workout that I'm, that I, that I've been fortunate enough to do or whatever. I always ask this question now. I lead everything with this question. I ask the group or the individual, all right, hey, I've, I've got a plan for today, but before we move forward, I want to know one thing that you want out of this next hour or that you want out of this next two hours or whatever, however, however, however long you're going. Hmm. And no one ever asked me that as a player. Yeah. And I never asked any group or player that on a regular basis. And be, and, and I think that's, that, that, that sets up the frame for them to understand and, and be okay with, Hey, it's okay for, for me to have a voice here. And yes, we're going to do X, Y, Z, but you know, I, I, I tell them, Hey, I'm going to do the very best job, the, the, the very, you know, best I can to fit in whatever you guys want out of this. And that might be a, that might be an emotion. That might be a feeling. It might not be to learn how to do whatever, you know, a sure. crossover jab into a, a pull up jumper. You know, it, 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 it literally might be like you said, and to bring it full circle, I just want to be confident when I drive left and I have a, 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 a path to the rim and I finish with my left hand. Yeah. Like, like, I just want to be able to like today. I just want to gain a little bit of confidence in going left and being confident finishing with my offhand. And so that you know, and so like you'd be amazed at, at some of the stuff that you get that you don't even think 
or have no, you, you know, you've never thought about players wanting, you know, it sometimes they, sometimes, you know, they say, you know, Matt, like we've been working out and working out and working out. And we haven't been playing any games because this stupid COVID stuff. And so to be honest with you, like, I just want to like be able to like play a little bit today and, and, mm-hmm. and compete and see kind of where I'm at and like, and, and, and like use today as a little bit of a, a measuring stick or an evaluation with my jump shot. Sure. You know, because, yeah. And so, you know, it's you, it's you get a, some, a lot of really cool answers and it's, it's something that I've really enjoyed and I, and I would implore a lot of coaches even and player development people to, to, to maybe you don't do it every day, you know, but maybe, maybe once a week or something like that, you know, or once every other with a kid, but instilling the confidence piece is huge. And I think that you do that just by narrowing things down. You have to be able to, to prove that that's not the best word to use probably, but you need to be able to prove to them and, and get them to understand and, and get them some buy-in on, Hey, here are here, here are the things that you do really well. So we're going to make those skills elite because those are the things that are going to get you on the floor and keep mm-hmm. you on the floor. Now, I understand that you may want to develop a turnaround jump shot or a baseline fade. I get that. But that's not going to keep you on the floor. What you do really well is shoot, catch, and shoot threes. Absolutely, yeah. Like so, we need to take that from really well and and make it elite, and understand that all right. Hey, since this is who we are and this is what we do well, we're probably going to have to develop, you know, the ability to shoot off the dribble in the mid range because people mm-hmm. are going to run you off the line, you know. So, I think that the confidence piece happens when you can, when you can provide and show an actual plan that has progression to it for them right absolutely and I'm a, I'm a big fan of the progressive kind of style I think that's spot on and and I love what you were saying I'm going to steal that about you know giving them ownership by asking questions and letting them answer and I think that happens a lot because I mean they get that every day in practice and I, I think it happens a lot in skills training too it's just like they feel like they're you know just robots going through drills or they're just you know working but it's like what for and in the back of their head they're thinking i wish i could do this so giving them that opportunity lets them take ownership and even just whether you do it or not letting them get their voice out they go into the workout with a completely different mentality of okay i'm i'm working for myself to get better and i get to do these things rather than okay okay i'm going through this line i'm doing this like we did last time so that's really cool i like that a lot right yeah it's it's been something, and I can't even remember where I got it from, but um, I, I got it over the, you know, while we were in kind of lockdown mode. It was like late last spring, and I was like, you know what? I think there's something to that. You know, I'm, I'm gonna give that a shot, and it, 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 sure. it's it's been really cool. It's it's, it's sure. It's been and nice. like you said, like it doesn't. It you can do it to different extents. It's not all or nothing, and I think that's that makes it a great balance, like you said, and and giving them leeway, but also just being a person that can provide the tools for them to go forward. Cause that's what you're there for. And, and that's, you offer something that they don't have and they need, but it's, it's working together. You know, they're not doing this for you. You're not doing this for them. So that's, that's another reason I love the, the relationship between a trainer and a player. Sure. Um, like you said, 
talking about, you know, hanging your hat on different skills and, and having solid strengths. You talked about catching shooting. Um, before we go, I want to tap into this section I'm going to call number one things. And starting that off, what is the number one thing you see in, in youth players and players developing that's the biggest flaw in shooting? If there's anything, you know, that you're seeing a lot um, with shooting. I'm going to get, I'm, I'm going to get- I'm gonna give I know, you, that's tough. you don't have to do one if there's a yeah, couple. Because, because there's a hundred things, right? Sure. But, <laughs> uh, for me, you know, something that that I always find myself going back to and seeing and maybe not a a, a common answer that you get, but it, the, the thing that always sticks out to my mind in, in my mind is hand placement. Hand right. placement on the ball. Like it it it's huge. And I think that there's a multitude of reasons why their hand placement is jacked up it it, it's you know probably the number one reason is because at a young age we probably let players or have players play with a basketball that's too big for them yeah um and so what happens is you know you get players you get a lot of players that have their hands more on the sides of the ball Mm -hmm. instead of with their dominant hand behind the ball so that way, when they get in, into their, you know, their their shot pocket, their hand is under the ball. Then, you know, you. But when you play with a ball too big for you, like they can't hold the ball like that because right. the ball is out of their hands, right? Because their hands are too little, and so they have to hold it more on the sides just to, you know, chuck it up there, you know, and chuck it up to the rim. But um, I. Yeah. I, I I think that's my number one thing. Again, there's a hundred different things that you could you could probably say, but for me, I just I I think it's really important, and it, it's it it's really I don't have a you know an awesome answer outside you know how to fix it other than if we would figure out how to you know have a regulation like sure. junior size ball until yeah. they are in X grade, and then you know. I think even even having like junior high kids, with the exception of you know a few that are like are early bloomers and stuff, but like I think maybe even on the boys' side, you know, maybe they should be playing with a women's ball. Right, and I think that that's actually spot on. I know you say you could expand a lot on that, but I, I mean I've even listened to Rob Fedor, the the Heat shooting coach, and he's talked about how we give these younger players a ball that's too big and a goal that's too high. And expect them to just like do it the right way, but we're ingraining these unnatural and, and uh, compensating, you know, movements I, in their body, and they're learning these things and ingraining them into their brain that aren't how you're supposed to move, and they're compensating, having to push the ball. We see a yeah. lot of pushing in younger players, and then you talk about hand placement. So it's almost a challenge that's created for you know coaches and trainers is to take away these negative movements and habits that they've developed growing up because of the way that they've been, you know, given a ball and just said, you know, go play. And one thing that Rob says a lot is talking about how these younger players are almost taught to move around the ball, right? So they have to, you know, put their hands where they have to go in order to get it to that super high goal with this huge ball instead of learning the right way to move the ball with you with the correct movements so like you said, I mean, it's a it's an inherent problem we deal with because, you know, yeah. kids are dealing with balls that are too big and goals that are too high. But it's it's definitely something that like a skills trainer is there for to fix along the route. So that's really interesting that you say that. Number two, 
what's the number one most important thing for high school players that you think they need to work on? I know there's a lot, but maybe something that sticks out, like all these guys are doing the same thing wrong, or they just aren't developing at this age this that they need to. Man, probably I I really think handling pressure is a big one. Mm-hmm. And I think that they you see a, a lot of a, a lot of the really good and, and I say good, but you see a lot of lopsided scores in youth, you know, from, you know, say grades 5 through 8. And usually those lopsided scores come from teams pressing, yep, and the other team not being able to handle the pressure. Absolutely. Not being able to handle ball pressure. Uh, I, I think that's a huge one. And then like one A would be passing in, you know, inside of that pressure, like being able to pass the basketball with, you know, with, with, with both hands and being able, you know, to pivot through and, you know, throw, throw different types of passes, whether that's, you know, a hook pass or whether that's, you know, a one handed, one handed bounce pass off the Mm -hmm. dribble, whatever it is, you know, uh, but like you said, I mean, those aren't those aren't the sexy things that players want to work on. So when you talk about escape dribbles or you right. talk about passing with the right hand to the right spot with the right footwork, that's stuff that nobody wants to work on. So then, I mean, it's even interesting. This is my fifth year playing in college, and it's amazing how players will get in, especially freshmen, but even throughout their time in college, you can get all the way through without being taught by somebody in your past, in your development of basketball with all these coaches how to do it the right way or to instill, you know, the ability to escape the right way or pass the right way because right. it's amazing. Everybody wants to work on, you know, dribble combos and they just skip these steps that are going to get you to the next level, like you said. Sure, yeah, because like and, and you see that a lot. Like guys just, you know, you get your player that's the most skilled, get him the ball, and he just tries to break it, break the pressure off yeah. the dribble. Right. And then, well, and then, and then, I mean, we all know what happens. Like, okay, well, then, you know, he gets trapped and then forced to pick it up. And then now he, he, he doesn't know how to pass because he's just been able to just blow by everybody. <laughs> right. Life and go get to the rim, right? Well, now that's, that's not an option. And, y- you know, you're really limiting yourself as a player if you don't, if you can't handle pressure. Because people are going to pressure you, you know. They're either going to pressure the crap out of you or they're going to make you shoot. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. it, that seems to be two really common <laughs> common ways to play defense right now. You see a, a ton of zone, making guys knock down shots. and you see a, Or you see just a crap ton of pressure that uh, is super aggressive and making you make decisions and handle the ball under pressure and make plays with the pass. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one thing that, like, a lot of kids and a lot of players even at the high level need to hear is if you can handle the ball with the, and take care of the ball and knock down shots, you can make some money. So <laughs> uh, last two for you. Number one key to growing your craft as a skills trainer or player development, like you said, whatever you want to call it. Not just I think a lot of trainers get caught up on how do I grow my numbers or how do I grow my reputation to get, you know, the best people or the biggest amount of clients but how do you grow your craft and your ability to teach others as a skills trainer? I think that you have to one it's you have to be patient it's going to take time. Um and and the one the one suggestion 
that I would give somebody coming into it uh, from my experience is understand and know all the facets of the game. That's, I mean, you, you need to do that. That being said, you, do, you don't have to be, in my opinion, you don't have to be an expert at every single facet of the game. Mm. I, think there's, I think there's something to be said for a, a coach, a player development coach, whatever coach it is, that can go really deep and have something that they teach better than other things. Mm-hmm. And be okay with that, and that's okay. You don't have to be a master at every single piece. Do you need to be, you know, knowledgeable and, and, and sufficient? Sure. You know, because that's going to be called upon at some time. But people are, you know, develop develop something that that you do really well. Um, no different than players, mm-hmm. you know, like not every, you know, there's a select handful of quote unquote superstars in the league that do a lot of things really well at an elite level. 90% of them are quote unquote specialists. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. One thing at an elite level. And I think that you can still run a very successful training business and in various and you can still impact a crap ton of players at and again I, I don't want people to misunderstand me I don't it doesn't mean that you only teach that thing it just means that hey this is something that 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 I can hang my hat on and teach at an elite level but I can still teach the other stuff as well and right. I and the one thing that the the other thing I would I would urge you know player development coaches to do is get around more coaches, get around more good coaches. Mm-hmm. Whether that's just you know figuring out a way to hop on a call every you know couple weeks or whatever it is or once a month. Whether that's going and watching practice, I know that's probably a little more difficult now with all the COVID stuff because they don't want a bunch of mm-hmm. outside people sure. in there. Um, but, but get around some, some really good coaches at different levels. There's some really good high school coaches out there. Mm-hmm. There's some really good youth coaches out there. There's some really good college coaches out like figure out who those are. And if you're fortunate enough to, you know, to be in a, uh, you know, a highly, a more highly populated area, like figure out who those people are in your area and you'll be blown away at how many of them would love the opportunity just to talk or just to, you know, talk basketball or just talk, you know, um, leadership or, you know, any of those things that, that, that those people go through and just mm-hmm. and, and be willing to help you with anything that you might, you know, need or want to learn more about or develop within yourself. I think that's huge. Um, and that's one advantage that I think my, that I have that. A lot of people in my position don't have, and that's one thing that I think makes me different and unique is that is the fact that I was a coach at the junior high level for you know a, a couple years. I was right. a, I you know I was a you know varsity assistant and JV coach. I was a head varsity coach, and then I was an assistant at the junior college level. So I have 
all that, you know, all those different experiences at each of those levels. And so I'm able to kind of, as I go through the process of now helping players and consulting with coaches, you know, mm-hmm. I know a lot of those experiences. And I, I think that has done more than, more than anything for me in terms of developing, you know, who I am as a, as a coach and, and my craft, as you said, you know, as a player development coach. Yeah, definitely. That's spot on. Thank you for that answer. And one thing I wanted to touch on that I, I know, like with Pure Sweat and Drew says this a lot, is is depth, not width. And I think you're spot on. You see that with players because a lot of guys want to work on a wide spectrum of of moves or of of aspects to the game and not really perfecting a craft or getting deep into one. But I've never thought about that. And you were spot on when you talk about it with trainers and player development as well, because you have a lot of people that want to, you know like you said, show their knowledge and show their ability and will, you know, cover a wide range when players don't really need that and, and somebody that can nail down the depth of shooting or, or dribbling, like you said, where they're able to really dive into these skills and help players in those aspects. I think that goes a long way, like you said. Last question for you. Number one thing for you moving forward, just in your career and your growth, you know, what's next for you? You know, for me is, is I, I've really enjoyed, um, trying to continue to grow the consulting side of it for not only players, but, but for coaches as well. And it's, it, it's been challenging for sure, but I just, re, I, I, refer back to when I was a coach and think back to when I was a coach and I had my own staff. And when you're at, like, for instance, the high school level, especially, the, a lot of times you don't have a lot of say in who your staff is and who the district hires as teachers to come in and, and, and teach because it's, it's always going to be, you know, hire the teacher first, coach second, which is totally fine. I mean, absolutely. Not. I'm not. I'm not saying that's the wrong approach by any means. But there were, you know, there's always times where, you know, a lot of times guys are trying to manage 30 and 40 kids. You know, at you, you've got a freshman team and you've got a JV team and you've got a varsity team. You know, and each of those teams has you know 12 kids on it or whatever it is or 15 kids. Like, mm-hmm. and and you've got a staff of you know four. Or three, right? Like that's just—I mean—and to to run a successful program, and because as any coach that's listening to this knows, there are so many things that you do as a head coach that do not have anything to do with basketball. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much of that stuff on your plate, and I'm trying to figure out and 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 want to provide a way to fill that gap for coaches and staffs. Yeah. Be, be, be a guy that's, that, that, that's been through a lot of stuff that has a lot of experiences to draw from. That's been around some really high level basketball guys, whether that's, you know, Drew or whether that's, you know, uh, Jordan Delp or Luke Cooper or whoever that is, you know, um, all my college coaches that, 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 you know, Brad Hoyt and, you know, John Wood and, 
Chad Lance at Missouri Valley College where I played and all that stuff. And so there's a lot of these guys that that, that I've that I've learned a ton from. And you know, I when when I was a head coach, I just thought there would have been like a ton of value in having somebody outside of my program that that had eyes from the outside looking in that I could reach out to and have 24-7 access to when something popped into my head and I could bounce it off of them and mm-hmm. then now figure out what do I do with that thought, one. Is it worth, you know, advancing it, you know, advancing it and, and, and putting it into what we're doing? Is it is it worth the, you know, the tweak that we need to change on how we're attacking, you know, the uh, – one three one zone, like you know, there are all kinds of little stuff like that that um, I sure. think would be that, that, that that's really valuable. So that's probably my my, my big one um, moving forward right now. And then uh, along with trying to figure out um, how to implement uh, some nutrition stuff hmm. for for players and 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 I think coaches to a degree as well. Um, that's that's something that's that's kind of in the in in my thought process as well that I don't think a lot of people are kind of talking about and when I was a player, heck even when I was a college player like I look back now and now I'm pissed because like everybody told me we all know what to eat and what to not eat but none of us know how to eat mm-hmm. <laughs> you know <laughs> how to eat and so um but but I do think that's something that's that that's worth the conversation for sure. No, absolutely. I think like like you said, that's probably the biggest thing. If I could go back, you know, four or five years and and change, would absolutely be nutrition. I think even you know asking vets, they'll either say that or they'll say taking care of my body better. So, like you said, no, you know, throughout this, I think like that's a said, constant theme. Kind of asking yourself, you know, what what do I wish I had when I was playing, or what what do I wish I would have if I was a coach. And it's really cool that, you know, you're able to offer that and contribute to that. But that was great, man. We really appreciate you coming on. And and I learned a lot. I know my listeners hopefully can take a lot from this. And you dropped a lot of nuggets of wisdom. So I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me. And uh, if there's anything I can do for you or anybody that just happens to be listening, uh, please feel free to reach out. And uh, and I, I would love to see uh, if I can help. And if I don't have the answer, I probably know somebody that does. And right. we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get you anything that uh, you may need or want. Absolutely. Check check Matt out on, on Instagram, Twitter. We'll we'll drop the links, we'll drop the bios in there. So he's doing a lot of great stuff for a lot of great people and making them great players. Appreciate you, Matt. Thanks, Justin.